this morning, I want to take us into the next passage of scripture. And uh, this is in chapter five of one John. So if you have your Bibles, your notebooks, your pens, highlighters, everything you need to commit to memory, the precious word of God, let's do that this morning as we take a few minutes out. Uh, John chapter one, John chapter five, and I am going to attempt to scan through the entire chapter, not because it all can be done with uh, with entirety and with depth, but because a lot of it is a repetition and is culmination. It's, it's a conclusion of what God has, uh, what, what the author has been saying, what God has been saying. So we're in John one, John chapter one. John has been talking a lot about love and been de defining love for us in a very particular way, primarily through maturity, through forgiveness, and through signs that love is how we make God's presence felt. These are gleanings from the last few sermons. sermons and if you didn't, uh, if you haven't heard those, you can always go to the, the website and find it all there. Okay, allow me to actually read the entire passage for you at the at the cost of losing time and your attention. Allow me to read it. It's hard to keep your attention on Zoom, but I trust you that your interest and love for the word of God will keep your eyes focused on the scriptures. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, capital C, which means Messiah, Jesus is the Christ, has been born of God. Everyone who believes this has been born again or born of God or born of the spirit. And everyone who loves the father loves whoever has been born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it? that overcomes the world, except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So he's kind of wrapping up all that he's been talking in talking about in chapter two, chapter three, chapter four, here in this passage from verse one to verse five. Then he goes into a slammer of a gospel message towards the end. And we see this uh, from verse six onwards. What's he saying in verse one to five, one to one to five. He's saying this, he says, everyone, who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. He doesn't say that everyone who is born of God believes that Jesus is the Christ. So we get the, 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 the process correct. He says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the, is the Christ has been born of God. So you cannot believe that Jesus is the Christ unless you're born of God. And you cannot be born of God unless you believe that Jesus is the Christ. What does it mean that Jesus is the Christ? He's kind of repeating himself because if you go back to verse 15 of the previous chapter, verse 15 of the previous chapter, verse chapter four, whoever confesses that Jesus is the son of God, God abides in him and he is in God. So we have come to know and to believe that the love of God uh, that God has for us. So you'll see these phrases. And the problem with English is that we we pass over these phrases very quickly because they all seem to be in English synonyms for Jesus. Son of God, oh yeah, Jesus, okay, Jesus Christ, the Christ, son of man. No, when you go to the original text, when you go to the original languages, every one of those are titles. These are titles. So if you go to the original text, you'll see the son of man. That's a powerful title. It carries so much meaning. And every Old Testament person knows what that means. The son of God, 
What does that mean? It doesn't mean when you say son, you mean a male child. But when God says son, it means begot. He is the one come from. So nobody has come from God. So anyone who comes from God is the one who will reveal God to him, to us. Anyone who comes from God will tell us what heaven is like, will tell us what God is like. And anyone who is born, who's a son of God, uh, is, is, is God himself. He can't be anything else, anything less than God himself. So the son of God, if you believe, verse 15, if you believe that you, he is the son of God, you are saying that you adhere, that you agree, that you believe, that you are convicted that Jesus Christ is is God. He has come from God. He is the one begotten from God. If you believe he's the only begotten, you are correct because he's the only one to come from God. That's a title. Now you come back to verse one. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Christ. Jesus means savior. He told Simeon in chapter two of Luke, he will be called Jesus for he will be the savior of his people. He will save them from their sin. Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus, Isa, this means savior. But Christ is Messiah, Messiah, Messiah. He, it's, he's the sent one. He's the sent one. He's the one that God sent to complete the atonement of our, uh, of our salvation. So, when you believe that Jesus is the sent one from God, you have firstly covered the fact that he is God himself. And now you've covered the fact that he has been sent by God the Father. If you believe that, you are born of God. So gospel, what does it mean for a person to be saved? What does one have to do to be born again, to be born of the spirit, to be born of God. We've covered this. So if you've missed this, you need to go back to the previous passages. I don't want to repeat. So those who are born of the flesh are born of the flesh. But those who are born of the spirit carry with them the title the, of being Christ, the character of God, and the new person that they are in Christ. When you are born again, you are given a new spiritual identity, a new spiritual character, and a new spiritual destiny a new spiritual character, a new spiritual identity, and a new spiritual destiny, all three which was lost in Adam. So everyone who believes, everyone, everyone, there are no few people who are selected for this and other people rejected for this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. Note, English people, has been, has been, it's done, it's already done. And everyone who loves the father loves, loves whoever has been born of God. So this thing about being born of God and loving the father must result, must result in loving others. Why? Because God is a father. God has a family and loving each other is a family matter. Loving each other is a family matter. The second family matter is obeying God. Obedience to his commandments is a family matter. I'll show you. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God uh, when we love God and obey his commandments. Okay? What is the problem with the commandments? For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So, children of God who are born of God, who have the character of God, enjoy they have joy in obeying the commandments of the Lord. Those who are not truly born of God, they struggle. They, they don't find joy. It is burdensome. The commandments of God are burdensome. So 
the commands of God were never meant to be a weight. It was not meant to be a religion. You must do this. You must do that. How can you not do it? It was not meant to be burdensome. It was meant to flow naturally because you have a new character, a new spiritual disposition. Children of God find it easy to obey God's commandments because it is a joy for them. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. That's the commandments we're talking about. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Circle, 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 our faith, our faith, our faith, our faith. What overcomes the world? What is it that makes you believe? What is it that keeps you abiding in God? Your faith. My brother, my sister, what is the halat? What is the condition of your faith? What is the health of your faith? You have given good attention to your physical health. You've given good attention to your spiritual, to your uh, mental health, to your psychological health. You've COVID tested, some of you two, two times. But have you tested your faith? Have you tested if your faith is healthy? How do you keep your faith healthy? By reading the word every day. That is such a cliche, isn't it? By reading the word every day. But I want to tell you, through the day, let your fingerprints be on this book multiple times a day. This is the book that will give you strength. This is the book that will give, these are the words that will strengthen you. The largest Psalm, the chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. And all those hundred plus verses are about the word of God. Except for two verses in that entire chapter, all the verses use the phrase, the word of God, the precepts of God, the knowledge of God, the statutes of God. You and your Bible need to have a love relationship. You and your Bible need to get religiously close. You and your Bible need to not spend any time apart. Your Bible should be closer to you than anything else. You cannot touch anything else and do anything else that's wrong when your Bible is close to you. Many of you, including myself, I'll be honest, even repent, have lost my desire to read the word on a daily basis. To read lots of the word. To open the word and stay in the word. You and I, many of us, have lost that. Pandemic, lockdown, whatever. But we have lost it. And it is a acquired taste. The more you read, the more you want to read. The more you understand, the more you want to understand. The more you let into your heart, the more your heart will want more of the word. So you open the floodgate and you allow the word in. No one can be so busy that you don't have time for the word. And anyone who doesn't have the time for the word will always be too busy. No one can be so busy to, have, to not have time for the word. And anyone who doesn't make time for the word, you'll always be too busy. You'll always be too busy. The Bible says, why are you anxious? Why are you stressed? Look at the lilies of the field. Look at the birds of the air. The father cares for them. 
Don't you think you are more worth more than that? What are you rushing around so anxious for? What do you think you are accomplishing with your life by being so busy? Itna busy you don't have time to sit down and listen to what God has to say. Itna busy that you don't have time to carve out for the Lord and you. My brothers, this must not be so. Lead your family, lead your wife, lead your children into a discipline of an open Bible in the home. And for those of you who are doing it, keep it up. Keep it up. It's your greatest protection. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory. What is the victory? Our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? He turned the whole thing around and he's culminated. He's concluded it by reversing it. Quickly go to verse six. This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. So we talked about uh, verse one, everyone who believes that Jesus. So who is this Jesus? Verse, verse five, who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God? Okay. So if you and I are going to believe in Jesus, we want to ask, where's the proof? Who has testified this? Where is the proof? Who is giving reference? Who is, we need at least two witnesses to tell us that Jesus is God. Jesus came from God. Jesus forgives sin. We need some proof. We need at least two testimonies, two witnesses. And by the witness of two, it is sealed. So where are the two testimonies? He says here in this passage, there's not two, but three. There are three testimonies and you cannot ignore the three testimonies. Verse six, this is he who he, Jesus, who comes by water, who came by water and blood, water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by water only, but by water and blood and the spirit, capital S, is the one who testifies because the spirit is the truth. For there are three, underline, for there are three that testify, the spirit, the water and the blood. And these three are in agreement, unbreakable agreement through time and through space that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. And when we believe this one fact, he is who he is. He came for what he came for and he rose again from the dead. We are born of God. When we are born of God, we receive that spirit, we receive that name and we receive that forgiveness that is in Christ. So what is the testimony of the water? That is the baptism of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus was baptized, the voice of heaven was opened up. Heaven was opened up and the voice cried out, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. This is my son. That was the first testimony. The second testimony was when Jesus was on the cross and he shed his blood for us. And, the, and all the miraculous things that happened all around, the supernatural things that happened all around, darkness in the middle of the day, and the voice of heaven that told Jesus that it is acceptable, the voice of heaven that accepted Christ's offer, the voice from heaven that, that, that spoke a, a testimony of reference of who his son is over Jesus. That's the blood of Christ as a testament. And the third, of course, is the Holy Spirit that knocks on your heart's door. Knock, 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 knock. Where's your faith? How is your faith doing? Constantly, the Spirit of God is knocking to remind you about Jesus. Three testimonies. If we receive the testimony, verse 9, verse 9, if we receive the testimony of men, man says something and you believe it. 
God's testimony is much greater. The testimony of God is greater. For this is the testimony of God that he has born that he has born concerning his son. God, the father, has testified about his son. Who can match that? Who can question that? Whoever believes in the son of God has the testimony inside himself. Whoever does not believe God has made God to be a liar. So when you accept Jesus Christ, the testimony of God is inside you. And when you reject Jesus Christ, you are saying God Almighty, God the father is a liar. Because he said that Jesus is the son of God. He said that Jesus is dying for us. Whoever does not believe God has made him alive because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. Now come two very important verses. Don't miss. Very important verses. Verse 11 and verse 12. I learned this when I was in my early 20s. And this is the testimony. So we're talking about the witness, the testimony. What has been said? This is the testimony. What? That God has given us eternal life. God has given us eternal life. Okay? Where did it come? FedEx? How did it come to us? Did it come through uh, Swiggy? How did it come to us? It came to us through his son. This life is in, in his son. It's not dispensed. It's not reigning over everyone. It's not distributed like laddus. It is in his son. Okay? Okay, where is this life? In his son. For you to have that life, where do you need to be? You need to be in his son. Prove it. Okay, whoever has the son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. Period. Simple. Not who goes to church, who doesn't go to church, who's good, who's bad, who gives more, who gives less. It has no bearing. The only difference is, are you in Christ, Prabhu Meher, or are you not in Christ, Prabhu Meher? And if you're in Christ, you are born from above. If you're not in Christ, you are not his own. John, why are you telling us this? Verse 19. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God. Why? That you may know, that you may know, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is where you get confidence, verse 14. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. So the resulting benefit, advantage, joy, blessing that comes from being in Christ is access to the Father. Write it down if you're taking notes. The joy, advantage, power, the, 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 the blessing of being in Christ is that you have access to the father why where is jesus right now he's at the right hand of the father and in him you have access to the father so you have a confidence because jesus has forgiven your sin you have a confidence because you are close to god through jesus you have a confidence because you have believed in the lord jesus christ and your name is written in the lamb's book of life you have a confidence because god listens to jesus you have a confidence for what and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask Anything according to his will, he hears us. So the result of walking with Christ and being in Christ is a powerful, effective prayer life. And if we know that he hears us and whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Very simple. So coming into Christ gives you access to God the Father 
Access to God the Father gives you a audacious confidence in prayer. Verse 16, if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall, not, uh, uh, he, he shall ask and God will give him life. So this prayer immediately, the first agenda for prayer becomes, boom, salvation. Salvation of souls, salvation of others in our lives. The access to the Father is so that we can do what Jesus is doing. We say, Lord, my cousin, Lord, my brother, Lord, my wife, Lord, my husband, Lord, my, my, my colleague is not saved. They do not know you. The first access to the Father is not, please give me a car. Please give me a house. Please give me admission. That is not why God has given us access to the Father. He's given us access to the Father so that we can plead with him for the lives of those we are witnessing for. And this is the witness. If they believe, they will also. So our heart must be, our heart must be, our heart must be for the gospel. Our desire must be that people will believe. Why? Because once they believe and are born of God, they have access to the one who can give them everything else that you would have prayed for. Once they are in Christ, they have access to the one who can give them everything else that you would have prayed for. So pray that they get access to the Father, and that is only in Jesus Christ. Pray for their salvation. So the first agenda for prayer is if anyone sees his brother committing a sin, not leading to death, he shall ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sins that do not lead to death, there is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. So what is he talking about? He's talking about sins that we do because we're lost to God. And he's talking about the sin of rejecting Christ. You cannot pray for people who are rejecting Christ. You cannot do that. You, you, you cannot impose on their free will. God has given them free will. So the sin that leads to death is the sin that is of rejecting Jesus. All other sins are forgivable. So when we see people sinning, we ask God, forgive them. Lord, bring them into a righteous state with you. There is a sin that leads. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is a sin that does not lead to death. By the way, that was a very quick and short explanation of that very deep text. However, we can pick that up later, maybe on a Thursday night. Verse 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God, we know that everyone who's been born of God does not keep on sinning. Okay, so when he says, when you see people sin, pray for their salvation. Uh, are you saying that Christians don't sin? I have seen Christians sin. No, he's not saying that Christians don't sin. He's saying that Christians don't stay in sin. So there are people who stay in sin and there are people who don't stay in sin. And the ones who know the Lord, the ones who are saved, the ones who have the Holy Spirit in their heart cannot stay in sin. They always want to get out of it. So they ask for forgiveness and they and you go back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, and you repeat performance there. Verse 18, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who has born of God protects him. He who, he who was born of God protects him. Who is that? Who is that? He's the, the other believers. They protect each other by praying for each other. We pray for the lost to be saved, for them to come to Christ. And we pray for the believers to be kept from sin. I repeat, we pray for the lost to come to Christ, that they may know Jesus and have access to the Father. And for believers, we pray that they would be kept from staying in sin. How many believers are in sin? 
everyone. How do we get believers to not stay in sin? By praying for them, by praying that they will read the word, praying that they'll be con convicted, praying that they'll be preserved through this life. We are all broken. We all struggle and we're all tormented with temptation all around us. But we need to pray for protection for each other. Verse 19, we know that we are from God. No, not feel. We know that we are from God and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the son of God has come and has given us in understanding so that we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true in his son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourself from idols. What are idols? Idols are fake gods. So he is the true God and eternal life. Little children, immature believers, new babies in Christ, watch out, stay focused on Jesus and, and keep a watch for unreal faith. Keep a watch out for fake faith, for fake experiences of the faith, fake experiences of the presence of God, fake experiences of intimacy with God. There is the lies and there is the truth. And Jesus is the one who leads us into truth. John goes round and round in circles to basically bring home the fact that in Christ, we have access to the Father, we have answer to prayer, and we have understanding. Look at that, verse 20. And we know, that is cognitive, we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding. So as we grow, not be little children, become young men and become fathers. As we grow, understanding is given to believers so that they may know the will of God. So may they may plead for the lives of those who are lost and they may protect the believers who are around them. What has God spoken to you today? What has he said to you that needs uh, a response what has made sense of from today's message, even though there's so much packed in this one chapter? Take a moment, be quiet in his presence. Just take a moment and say, Lord, I got this from you today. I'm going to do this today.